The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, you will surely not lose his reward. The gospel of our Lord. To you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You be seated. So there is a, a, a great scene in one of the, the classic movies of modern cinema known as Wayne's World, where Wayne and, and Garth meet Alice Cooper, the great rock star, and Alice Cooper invites them to hang out with, with the band for a little bit. And the two of them, completely struck by, by awe, fall to their knees and cry out, we are not worthy, we are not worthy, before Alice Cooper, a, a god before men, puts his hand out to them for them to kiss. Now this phrase, we are not worthy, has become a legendary internet meme, even before internet memes were a thing. And if you don't know what that means, just I, I'm gonna, we'll move on. Uh, and why is that? Why is that phrase so popular? This, this goofy movie, I think, struck a chord in our hearts, in all honesty, because that particular scene touches the depth of each of our hearts. Each of us walks around with a sense of unworthiness. And we try to mask ourselves through perhaps being proud or prideful. Or perhaps even seeming disinterested in the opinions of others. This is especially true in our celebrity culture. When confronted with famous people, maybe even our idols, many people are so overwhelmed they don't know what to say, they don't know how to act, they don't know how to even maintain their composure. And it's interesting that in COVID world, when celebrities of movies and television and sports are hard to come by because everything's been put on hold, they're becoming more creative in, in how to connect with people and make the most of that desire people have for, for connection and worthiness. For only $5,000, you can have a personal 10-minute Zoom call with Brett Favre. Now, if that's a little steep or you just don't care about Brett Favre because you're not a Packer fan... For only $1,250, you can have a personal conversation with the former member of NSYNC, Lance Bass. Or for $1,000, you can have a, your own conversation with Tony Hawk or Charlie Sheen. For hundreds or even thousands of dollars, you 
can buy your own sense of worthiness with a favorite celebrity. See, you are worthy of their time and their attention. But what I find crazy about all of that is that celebrities are no different than any of us. They're broken humans struggling through life who just so happen to have the the right skills and a little bit of luck to get where they are now. They have their own insecurities. They, They doubtless have their own moments of saying, I'm not worthy. At the end of the day, we're all the same, flesh and bone. Sinners enslaved by the very things we hate. Yet still trying to extract some sense of of worthiness from each other. But our worthiness between other men and women is of, of no importance at the end of the day. What matters the most is our worthiness before God. We've all tried hard to prove our worth to God. Some of us are still trying to fight that battle. Others of us have been burned out by that quest and have just resigned ourselves and have given up caring. I mean, where do we sinners stand before God? Hear what Jesus said in the gospel today. You are not worthy. You are not worthy. You are not worthy. Three times he tells you that you're not worthy of him. We are unworthy. And he's right. He's absolutely right. All that striving, all that self-righteous pursuit has accomplished nothing for us. And, and, and even the favor we can receive from others, even the favor we could buy from others, how quickly do those things evaporate? How quickly do those things become erased Watch the world right now, whole lives destroyed in a moment's time. It's all meaningless, as the author of Ecclesiastes would say. It's vapor. It's here and then it's gone. So why does Jesus say of the most important relationship we can have, that with God, that we are unworthy? You love your father or your mother more than me? Jesus says, you're unworthy. I mean, that's a tough word. In fact, it seems to go against the very commandment God gave us, the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. Aren't we supposed to love the very people who gave us life, who brought us into this world, who nurtured us to bring us to where we are now? Aren't I supposed to love them? You love your son or your daughter more than me? Jesus says, then you aren't worthy. The very ones you gave life to the countless sacrifices you made on their behalf, these little human beings who take so much from you, and you give it because you love. Aren't I supposed to love them? You won't take your cross up and follow me? Then you aren't worthy. He's telling you to hate and reject your life. Picking up your cross is not dealing with some some inconveniences throughout life. Picking up your cross is saying, I hate and reject this life. I am disinterested with preserving this life. Now that's not in the sense of self-punishment. Sometimes we become, we, we can become our own worst critics and we try to destroy ourselves as if that's what God wants. It's not self-punishment, but it's clinging to a hope 
that there's something greater. As Pastor Milky talked about even last week with the idea of fear, it's not about fearing the world, but fearing God. You love your life, he's saying, more than me. And you aren't worthy. The cross is an interesting image. The crucifixion hasn't yet happened, but the Jews were familiar with crucifixion. It was in 4 BC that the Roman general Varus crucified 2,000 Jews along the road from Jerusalem to Galilee to make the Jews know that they need to be obedient to Rome. Often the Romans used this to instill fear and demand compliance from their people, resulting in this feigned idea of peace. When we cling to this life we have now, as it is, we are not worthy. And we like to cling because of the fear of the unknown. I understand that. But our life we live now, this, this life we are living right in this moment that we so desperately cling to, it's a life of sin. It's controlled and dominated by sin. But by our disordered passions in, in our selfish pursuits. By, by anger and rage and tears and brokenness and sadness. Our life of sin must die so that out of the ashes, Christ may raise up a new person in each of our lives. We cling to this life as miserable as it can be, as if this is it. But Christ says, be dead to sin and alive in him. This illusion we have of self-control and, and being our own saviors must die so that a new obedience to Christ may arise. It has a lot to do with control. How often do we let other people control us? The celebrities we worship and pine for or, or our own children. And we do so much for them, trying to give them a better life than we had. But ultimately, any life you can give to your children is, is nothing compared to what Christ promises them. We're on the other end of the spectrum. How often do people exert control over us through anger and hatred? The pains that have been caused in our lives by family and friends and those closest to us. And they drive us to, to hatred and, and rage and these dreams of revenge. And if I, just, if I just get them, then it'll all be okay. And we get that taste of revenge and we, and we see the pain on their face, yet our pain doesn't go away. And so again, we're being controlled by others. We allow others, good or bad, to have and exert so much control over us instead of God. And that's the key, instead of God. Jesus' point is so simple. Don't love these things more than me. It's the same argument we had with fear. Don't fear this world more than me. We turn others and we turn ourselves into idols all the time. Either these benevolent demigods who, who, who bless us with their favor and their attention, or these tyrannical demigods that are out to get us and we just want to destroy them, whatever it is, they, they exact this control over us and they become these idols of obsession and we keep trying to extract from them a sense of worthiness by either them lifting us up or us pushing them down. But at the end of the day, that worthiness can only be given by God. And that's why people disappoint us all the time. 
And that's why we disappoint ourselves all the time. But when our love is rightly ordered, by opening ourselves up to first the love of God and to receive that love as a gift and likewise to turn that into a lifting up our heart to the Lord, a loving the Lord, and then loving his children. By the power of his spirit, then he, he empowers us to more fully love. And when, when those things become rightly ordered, then we can love our father and our mother more fully. We can love our sons and our daughters more fully. We can love people created in his image and likeness more fully. Because as much as you can love your mother... You will never love her as much, only a fraction as much, as you can love her through Christ. And as much as you love your own life, this this stained, sinned life, you will only truly love it when all that sin-soaked garbage and sludge is purified and killed, sacrificed in Christ. Only then could we, if called upon, even be willing to ultimately give our own lives because we are so assured of what waits, even if it's scary, even if it unsettles us. And let's be honest, that sacrifice would make mama upset. I can only imagine the tears Mary cried as she watched her own son die on the cross. And likewise, throughout the ages, the church has had martyrs who have left behind their spouses and their children and their loved ones for the sake of the gospel. Today is the commemoration of the Augsburg Confession. And it was on this day that the princes of Germany went on their knees and bowed their head before the king that he may strike their head off with the sword. He said, we will die for this gospel. We will die for it. That's how passionately we believe this is the truth and we know what waits us so if you want to take our heads that's fine because Christ has us are we willing to even leave behind our loved ones and bring them sadness because we know Jesus our brother and God our father will not abandon us what will bring us into that promised eternal union with him, with all of our family, to join into the eternal exchange of love with him forever. We have a family that is, is something that's, that, that's bound together by something thicker than our own blood. It's bound together by the blood of Christ, that blood that, that washed you in the waters of baptism. Wash that robe you wear white and, and cleanse it and purify it from the power of sin. That is the power of baptism in your life. Because he makes you worthy. Each and every, he is the one, Jesus is the one who makes you worthy. You're not responsible for your own worthiness, and neither is others. He is, and he's faithful to that promise, and he takes what is unworthy and what is broken, and and he's completely aware of your sin, and he's completely aware of my sin, even the sin I don't personally know in my life. He forgives it, and he purifies it. And it gives me life through forgiveness. And that's where we found, find the foundation of life. Where we can love our fathers and mothers and, and sons and daughters. And the world, frankly, where we can love the world when we're standing on the steady foundation of the love of God.
that's where we find a steady life. Let's be honest. Sometimes we put that pressure on our family. Our families are messes. They're some of the most unstable things around. They're broken. They're filled with sinners. So we find our footing on Christ. I want to touch briefly on the second part Jesus says in the gospel. He says, receive the prophet, receive the righteous man. The prophet's the one who speaks God's word and promises. The righteous man is the one who seeks to do God's law, to do his will. So what does this mean for us? As you have heard the promises of God, and as you have received his generous love through the actions of his children, you likewise are called to speak these promises in love and grace and live according to the calling he's placed upon you. And and I'll, I'll be honest, in my own life, it is you who have spoken the promises of God to me that has been such a blessing. And it's you who have lived out his generous love and been so generous to me and my family that has just, just done, done things in my heart that I, that I can't even put into words. Because you were being the prophet and the righteous man to me and my family. And likewise, I pray the Lord has used me in that capacity in some way in your own life. And it's simple. I love what he says. Give a cup of cold water. Care. Care for the unworthy. Because you know God does. As broken as we are, in his grace, he makes us whole and puts us on solid ground because he cares for you. As unworthy as I am, he cares for me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.